Um, right. Yeah, SJ, I think that's uh, exactly right about the uh, um, priesthood of science. You know, it's like a, yeah, if you want to talk about continuities between uh, control system, is that that is that's a direct continuity, right? Like from uh, earlier priesthoods, the uh, the black gowns into the white lab coats. You know, <laughs> but I think. But wouldn't you say here that I, I do feel like there's been a shift and this is and we can talk about this capitalism thing now, because I, I think where there's moments of kind of charged, I mean, not like it's supercharged, but where there's kind of charged kind of energy, there's probably something there we need to unpack. Sure. Um, but but I feel like, see, this turn and we can trace it like 1950, 1960, the atom bomb, the rise of like. The, uh, the the modern scientific institutions, allopathic medicine, that we, it's a shift to me, not that it's not, just like capitalism isn't a total shift from what's before, the exploitation models of before, and I, when, I, when I say capitalism, I mean industrial capitalism of the 18th, 19th centuries, isn't as much of a break as maybe, you know, like labor is controlled and the feudal times, you have people that do the labor, even in Babylonian agricultural times, there's the laborers and there's the non-laborer classes, you know, so there's, there's continuities all the way back to, I think, if we want to, if we want to, if we want to draw the line between a kind of anarchic, what Terrence McKenna would call um, a, I guess Doug's not on mute. Did he not mute himself? Um, I, I, it's okay, but you know, like McKenna called it a more lunar kind of orgiastic society, and then agriculture mm -hmm. comes, and you get then labor put into. Is that is that Doug's mute, Doug? Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna message him. I got his phone number. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, text him. We're gonna see if we can catch him before he goes to bed. Um, but so, so to me, it's just, I think there's a difference and I'm not going to like, we can talk about globo cap is fine as a label because it kind of changes the term a little bit, but I do think there's like a more scientific version of this exploitation system that arises. And to me, that feels like a very important conversation about, you know, um, whether, and I'm fine if you want to use capitalism, I just, I've done my bit on that. But if we want to call it like capitalism, globo cap or scientism cap might be the better label that kind of defines this thing we're in. And that's why the left critics are not really capitalist critics because they're still, you know, caught into the, the new exploitation systems. They've bought into that, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a big part of it. So go ahead, I'm just trying to connect a few of these threads from no, no, I hear you with that. It's like a, um, that's, I think that's a, it's a big critique I have of the left in general is that, um, and, it, and it stems from Marxism, the, the, the uh, overemphasis on scientific materialism, right? Um, whereas leftist traditions, um, if you, pre-Marxist pre leftist traditions, right? Um, we're, we're not so much uh, based on scientific materialism. Um, I, sorry, I'm getting distracted by all the weird noises. Yeah, I just I just texted him, can you mute Doug? And let's see if he comes back and mutes. Uh, Doug, mute. Doug, Doug. Doug. Should I try to call him? I could probably call him. Maybe Maybe his phone will ring. Here, I'm gonna do that, Snore. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, do that. No problem. <laughs> I'm calling it's ringing. <laughs> That's a great uh, ringtone. I'm gonna go off for a bit. So it, I got his voicemail. Zero, I'm going to leave a message. Eight, zero, two, yeah. Hey, Doug, it's SJ. Just wondering if you could mute um, your audio there. It's 
we're just getting a lot of feedback and uh, we're having a hard time with the conversation. So uh, thank you, man. Uh, sorry to have to call your cell and uh, talk soon. Look forward to it. Bye. Okay. Zanor? I guess. Am I the only one that's here now? Let's see here. Thank you. All right, so if you're out there still listening, let me just read some of this. Uh, Post-capitalism is said to be possible due to major changes. Information technology has brought about in recent years. It has blurred the edges between work and free time and loosened the relationship between work and wages. Significantly, information is corroding the market's ability to form prices correctly. Information is abundant and information goods are freely replicable. Goods such as music, software, or databases do have a production cost, but once made can be copy pasted infinitely. If the normal price mechanism of capitalism prevails, then the price of any good, which is essentially no cost of reproduction falls, will fall towards zero. The la this lack of scarcity is a problem for our models, which try to counter by developing monopolies in the form of giant tech companies to keep information scarce and commercial, but many significant commodities in the digital economy are now free and open source, such as Linux, Firefox, and Wikipedia. And I, are you there, Snor? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Okay, I just, I was just filling time. He muted, he texted and muted. Okay, great. Um, so I'm just, I was just trying to fill time for anybody that's still listening by reading this. And this I is mean, my uh, point. Yeah, go I ahead. Mean, go I'm, ahead. I'm looking at this too. It's like a, the, the, the wiki page you, you posted. It's like, a, um, and it's, uh, yeah, post, uh, another way to think of post capitalism is, is, uh, is, is basically like they say, um, Others propose models to intentionally replace capitalism. The most notable among them are socialism, anarchism, degrowth. You know, it's like a, so um, you can look at communism as kind of uh, formulated by Marx and then people before Marx um, as like a stateless and classless society. That is post-capitalism. You know, that's what post-capitalism is. You know, obviously, well, obviously we don't, we don't, live in a stateless and, ca and classless society, you know? Um, so we haven't reached whatever you want to call it. I, I, I agree that, that, that capitalism has fundamentally changed since the, like the, the 19th century. Um, but it, it's, it's still capitalism, you know, it's, it's like, uh, um, fundamentally it hasn't, it, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't changed to the point where we're somehow post-state and post-class. So I just want to come back because like this article on post-capitalism is interesting because it's, I feel like it's doing two things. One, it's describing these utopian possibilities after, but then two, it's quoting theorists that say we've already moved into it because of these fundamental changes in the way and knowledge and technology. And so I was arguing more for the latter. Sure, sure. I, yeah. And mo most people are. It's like, I just don't think um i i just wouldn't say it's 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 uh um capitalism for me capitalism post-capitalism does mean that it means it means uh essentially communism it's like uh yeah. yeah a stateless and classless society and obviously that that's nowhere near happening right yeah and nowhere the rule, near happening. The, the rule of of the society, the, the the economy is still ruled by by capital and by the capitalist class, you know. And there's, so, um, it's like if you look at uh, like like WEF, the World Economic Forum, it's just like uh, it's it's corporate heads that are all involved in it, you know. It's like uh, or feudal, feudal too. I mean, this is and this is why I want to go back because like I think we're hitting. This is why I think we have to talk about words and definitions and like why I would say capitalism has become like fascism in the Orwell sense of writing about how that term is can mean so many different things and which is why just to go back why I kind of like to not use it because it really necessitates this kind of breakdown that we've already, we've just done at least partially where you have capitalism in the sense of defining it as just what you're saying is class and what was the two things we still have class and state forgot. stateless and classless society so uh, we have a, a state and class in the society if that's the right. definition of capitalism you know i think capitalism exists before 
mechanized industrial production. That's my definition of it, where you have basically factories and you divide labor and you make it repeatable act, you know, so that's where I'm coming from is more of a kind of strict definition of capitalism well, from, and, the, from and, that. and that's, that's basically what Marx said too. Like I was talking about those three periods, like Marx, Marx said primitive communism, right? Um, pre pre state pre, um, class division, tribal societies, right? And then class society, which includes, um, classical society like classic the classical civilizations which had slavery and then and then feudalism and then modern capitalism that's all called class society yes that's where i'm coming from and then and then uh after that is communism advanced communism right yes so so if you want to if you want to say that then i'm 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 with you you know it's like uh um but but uh, it's like uh my problem comes with, um, uh, especially from from the libertarian side, basically, where uh, um, people equate um, this system with uh, Stalinism. With they they call it socialism, and they further equate it with uh, with fascism and 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 Nazism. It's it's like a as if all totalitarian systems are exactly the same, you know, and and they're not. I think we have to uh, we have to realize that the structures may be similar, like the way that the state um, monitors and controls people and and uses police to to control the um, movements and actions of people, you know, um, that's similar. But um, the actual economic system. Who's who's in power? Um, how do they wield power? How is the economic system structured? You know, how is the political st- system structured? That's that's different. It's totally different. You know, so it's like a, um, to equate, for example, communism and and fascism. You know, it's like it, they are polar opposites, and they were they were even even before the Russian revolution and, and afterwards they were like deadly enemies, you know, it's like, a, they, um, the fact that, uh, the Nazi party called themselves the, um, national what is it? National, national German, German Workers socialist party. workers party. You know, it's like, a, they, they did that to appropriate the names, you know, it's like, a, um, they wanted to get working class support, you know, and the support of of people who would would have naturally supported socialists, um, but uh, it's 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 not like in 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 the uh, in the Nazi regime and Hitler's regime there was a complete continuity from the old capitalist system in Germany. All the all the big corporations still existed and supported the Nazi regime. You know, um, yeah. there was there was no break in that in 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 those terms. You know. And that's, they just became partisans, right? They just came over and signed yeah. up. And, and, and there's been no break since then, you know, even even when the Nazis were overthrown. It's like IBM is still here, you know. Bayer Pharmaceutical. Um, yeah. The Bush Ford family. Motor Company. <laughs> the Bush family. Cause, yeah. So let's, let's stop it because this, this is really interesting and I think and relevant and pertinent to the current moment here. And I'm talking about the, this idea between communism and let's not call it communism because that's an ideal future state that we can i like what we've just discovered here in terms of our own dialogue with each other we can call it the clap the pre-class system the class system and then the post-class system that's that's i'm fine with that label sure and i would just say that we're in the um class system that is maybe more a kind of a post-capitalist in some ways class system that's more based on scientism and a knowledge economy it's what Foucault would call technologies of the self that are, okay. are getting used yeah. against the population where you commodify and monetize uh, uh, aware um, attention the body itself this is why it's what a gammon might call the biosecurity state I sure, love that sure. article he wrote yeah. Where it's it's not strictly control the the physical the outward um, acts that the body does like be at the factory on time when the buzzer goes off to move this trinket here so we can produce this you know industrial product it's like when you wake up in the morning 
this is what I struggle with. This is my big struggle this year. It's I've been really good for a lot of years, but it's like, man, this phone has, I wake up, it's part of my job too. So I'm always on social media for that. But it's like, how many minutes can I go, man, before I turn on the fucking phone and turn, take it off airport airplane mode. And then I, and then now it's coming into my awareness in ways it's more invasive than it's ever been. Um, and we talked about this, the last couple of calls we had, we're like, Albania still retains some of that older model. It's kind of like per, that what you described when you read this novel that you're writing about a former world. You know, um, I feel like where it's more um, uh, agrarian or just naturalistic in some ways. This is to me, right? yeah, pre-industrial, but there's the pre-information industrial, if we call it the post-capitalist scientism, whatever. The, I'm trying to find a name for this, this well, new form even, of class even, hierarchy. What, like, what would we like, call this? I don't know. Like Klaus Schwab talks yeah. talks about and yeah. those guys at yeah. the uh, WEF, yeah. they call it stakeholder yeah. stakeholder capitalism, and they, they talk about the but fourth industrial, on, the fourth industrial yeah. revolution, right? And so it's like uh, based on information and the body. So it's like right. they're after yeah. the intention, attention, and getting into the body, and it's a total control of your time and attention. It might be so. Let's just call it the fourth industrial stuff, even though I think it's emerged in the fifties and sixties, the predecessors, but now we're really coming into it. Yeah, I think they, they would call it Schwab would call that the third uh industrial revolution and we're moving into a yeah, even even a yeah. a, a closer integration of things. I I, yeah. I agree with that. I just don't see that um that overcomes the uh the capitalist model. Like the basic essential fact of uh of how how capitalism operates, you know, uh, a sort of a for-profit system where profit gets concentrated at the top into fewer and fewer hands. Like like Marx foresaw all of that. Like he he foresaw um, the expansion of the commodity system where it it would uh, affect everything. That everything would become commodity. Uh, would become commodity. You know, um, yeah. Human relations, well, information, everything else. Um, Every aspect yeah. of life would become commodity. It, it, it becomes commodity and enters into the market, and then the markets are 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 concentrated into fewer and fewer hands. Yeah, and again, I'm just calling that the class system that predates industrial capital. The, the I don't know what the revolutions that he lists, but I guess the the third one is the information revolution. Is that what he would say? And then the I th second I think one so, yeah. is like oil and the first one is like uh, oil and electric but my point is this i think if we can just settle on let's call that class because in the class systems even in babylon you ought, you have laborers and then things funnel to the top so that is not something that i think what you're describing is extant in a significant way all the way back before what the label capitalism is ref often is associated with which is mechanized industrial production so, but let's just come back because I, I was I want to hit on this other point, which is just that we it's uh, we can completely agree that um, whether we call it like capitalism for or what I would just call it would be class. I just would call it the fourth industrial revolution, where it's inside the body now. It's it's after our attention, the exploitation uh, regime, let's say, or the mechanism of exploitation is 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 all pervasive more than it's ever been. You know, like I see kids playing here. That's not, they're not being exploited. They're just like running with a ball, kicking it in the streets, no phone, nothing. In the new system, that would never happen. Kids would be tracked, traced, would have nodes injected into them. Would, that would be measured. That would be used for, and, and you have writers right now. Allison McDowell is one. Mm -hmm. Whitney She's Webb awesome. has written about yeah. this. Yeah. Talking Corey, about Corey Morningstar, Corey Morningstar, they're 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 just they're writing right now. These science, these priests of scientism are trying to take kids and actually use them for pilot projects where they're going to have chips in their brains mm -hmm. to basically measure. It's it's like it's like seeping in. It's a disease or a roach or something where you can't you just can't get rid of it. It goes everywhere, right? This is the disease, the, the real virus, you might say, is this virus of scientism invading this more naturalistic hum humanity. Yeah. That, that, and, and so, and I think we can both agree, whether we use the label capitalism or not, that that is happening and it's, and it's exploitative, it's class-based, it's for an elite coterie. 
that are basically saying, if you read Klaus and the people he comes out of, there's an idea of useless eaters. There's the mm -hmm. idea of it's a Bernaysian thing where you have elites oh, that are appointed to manage the herds that are dangerous. Oh, Schwab um, comes from a Nazi family, right? Like, <laughs> and but but a royal family. That's the whole thing. These are right. you, and and so it, it predates. This bourgeois, the bourgeois, or, because you have these like bloodlines, and this is where I think mm -hmm. it's an important part of the conversation when you talk about hier class hierarchies. I'm I'm not saying that the capitalism, the strictly strictly to use that term strictly, the rise of like the merchant classes, that there weren't new wealth or new new of a riche that were not part of those bloodlines, but there was certainly a merger, and many of those bloodlines were remain in the power to this day, including maybe someone like Klaus Schwab. But so just to come back to this, the point I'm really trying to get at here is really interesting conversation between what is the difference between fascism and let's say Stalinism mm -hmm. instead of capitalism, instead of communism, let's say Stalinism or um, or because that's really actually let me open this up to you, because I think communism as an ideal as it as it spread throughout the world in the 19th century and the early 20th century is a huge threat it's almost like um, it's the idea that people deserve dignity and to be empowered or something like this it's empowering exploited classes as an ideal and, right. and, it, and it's a it's an ideal that you can organize around very quickly to it's a populist ideal kind of like Trumpism actually in the sense that you have this ideal that kind of spreads like wildfire that exploited peoples of their of the moment rally around. And I'm not saying everybody was, it's not a, quite a one-to-one, -one, but that to me as communism, as an idea of motivation of the lower classes, to me is more interesting than anything else about it because Stalinism is not that. That no. um, Stalinism comes and constructs a hierarchy, a system of authoritarianism upon that. And well, then and that and system then, has then, looks quite like Nazism, right? Because well, you that's, have factories, and, and, laborers, and, tr and gulags. Trotsky, so go ahead. Trotsky, go ahead. Uh, Trotsky calls that uh, state capitalism, right? Like that was his name for it. Um, so where does that fit in in your in your analysis of Nazism well, no, I, versus I, Stalinism? Is yeah, there some similarities between state capitalism and and what we described earlier as the continuity of industry under Hitler and how it's just the same? I mean, wouldn't you say there are some similarities that the libertarian critique gets right? From this from this perspective yeah i just wanted to back up like um so i i sort of understand your concern about what i said before um that this is capitalism and you were you were like no it's not and your concern was that uh you really wanted to point out the difference in uh, i'll call it the the sort of present incarnation of capitalism which is which is involving uh um information and uh and for yeah. artificial intelligence and and yeah. genetic modification and robotics yeah. and all these different things right Absolutely. and so i i think you're right to to point out that and and so my concern with not calling it capitalism is that um we we miss from our analysis the fact that um this system is different than these other versions of totalitarianism um, totalitarian socialist um, uh, organizations or totalitarian fascist or Nazi uh, systems, you know. Uh, break that I, I down think, for me a little bit. Like break down maybe the, th the like those three systems and and maybe highlight. I'm just curious because I I think there are some great similarities for sure. But where are the big differences that you see that it's dangerous that it would be dangerous to not note those differences? See the um, so the similarities I pointed out before. It's like uh, um, there are uh, yes. similarities in structures, and I think they're they're very obvious. And in each case, I'd be, I obviously I'm opposed to every system of totalitarianism or or authoritarianism. You know, um, but with labor so in particular, isn't there similarities? This is what I think of because like you have lower classes in factories that are exploited, and you have people that aren't doing that. In all of those systems and that's kind of what interests me the most and that's why i think the ideal of communism is so potent because it's actually trying to stop that from happening yeah right um so and that's what i support right, so go the, ahead, yeah. me too like the difference i, I would say was like for example the dif difference between um uh 
um, the Nazi regime or or uh, or fascism under Mussolini and then Stalinism is that uh, or British um, fascism? Yeah, I would say what Orwell called the the uh, what did he call it? The Western style of fascism. I just think we should include that because it's like the American British model. And it's worth throwing that in because we're not exempt from this, I don't think. But go ahead. Sorry to interrupt there. I just think that's important. Yeah. No, no, sure. I'd, I'd agree too. It's like the, the differences in, in the Soviet system, there was a break. You know, there's, there was a break um, with the old corporate system, with the old uh, capitalist classes. Um, there, was a, there was a break in continuity. And that, and that was reflected through the whole um, uh, Cold War period right like you there was basically two separate economic systems in the world right and they 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 had uh um the eastern bloc was not a part of uh corporate capitalism in the west you know it was it was a it was a different system but uh with the nazis and with uh mussolini's fascists um like we said before these the system it, it, it was basically capitalism under crisis. You know, it's like uh, um, the corporate structures still existed. Um, there was more, it was more authoritarian, and so there's more state interference, of course, whatever. Um, but uh, there was a continuity. There was no break. There was no revolutionary break between um, between the two systems. You know, it's like a, it, it's... Um, fascism and, and the nazis were basically an outgrowth of of capitalism but with the with the bolshevik revolution there was a break there was a there was an obvious break there was there's a problem like even with lenin um his new economic program where it's like uh he started to borrow money from international banks and he had to because he did that he had to open up the economy to an extent you know it's like uh um but even up until the time in the 90s when the Soviet Union finally collapsed, there was still a separation. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what I think is 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 different, and that and that's why um, China, somewhere along the line, um, became a became a capitalist country. Like after Nixon, I guess opened it up. Um, Whereas it's it still calls itself communist and it's still run by a communist party, but it's like you, you go to China and it's where you lived in China. It's like a, it's it's as corporate as anywhere else in the West, you know, maybe even more so, you know, um, it's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, let's come back because this is I mean, there's clearly differences between Soviet economics and West and, and like, let's say, Amer the American economics is there's clear differences. And I think it would be worth exploring those to understand the differences but that said there's kind of some core similarities and i again go back to this kind of higher level frame of you have labor and and then the, and then non-labor divisions that are um, that are usually exploitative and i know in the soviet system they were i mean you had these classes even after this the split you know you had part uh, party members that were often that weren't in factories, you know, and, and you, you, so you, so you have similar hierarchies. I just want to throw this other thing to you before, um, just to, just to hear you, what you have to say is that I don't know if the West is as much is, I mean, there's some, there's just continuity, but think about Europe and in, in the 19th century and like the different States and the, the Holy Roman empire and, the kind of coming out of that old system of political organization that World War One is the final death nail of, and then you come into fully into the, a whole new system of political structure. Well, that, that I think would... that that's kind of runs concomitant with the czar getting killed. I mean, there are some kind of similarities as we move into the state, a hard state system that even Europe was. Um, experiences a transition around the same time. And so I just I just throw that because I do think it's it's another part of the similarities here um, that, you know, are worth discuss discussing and adding to the conversation. Ottoman Empire would be an example that falls. That was a huge um, political sy organizing system like for where I am 
that changed everything when that fell. I, and I mean, yeah, you could say that these these systems are sort of vestiges of feudalism, right? And and even that the Soviet Union, um, yeah, that that was one critique of of Marxist even at the time, even within the Soviet Union, like the the Menshevik Party was saying, um, it's not yet the time for. Uh, a complete socialist revolution in the uh, in in Russia, because Russia had not gone through capitalism, <laughs> you know. And according to Orthodox Marxism, it would have to go from a feudalist system into capitalism, and then and then into socialism, and then transitioning to communism. Um, but it, it hadn't done that, so it's like, yeah, you could say that that in a lot of places the 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 old feudal system didn't break down until World War One, you know. Yeah. And, and the theories about World War One, it was like designed. And I, those are persuasive theories, man. I mean, I don't know if you I, I mentioned this to you before, but the James Corbett documentary on World War One is kind of a must view because it gives this kind of other idea. Even Kubrick was hinting at this, that these are elites basically sending their poor to slaughter as a way to sort of reorganize some of those systems. And I think. I think there's a strong case to be made that like between 1850, 1870, it's kind of like what we're seeing now, actually, because you have the rise of great wealth being produced with technology, um, medicine, clean water, um, uh, the steam engine, uh, oil as a, as, a, as a fuel. All of that's happening in the late 19th century into the early 20th century. And I think elites knew, all right, our slaves effectively are going to be too uppity. We got it. We got to What are we going to do here? And so, in some ways, you can view World War One as a as a as a as their way to morph the control the organization. System. Yeah, just well, like this... the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the Great Reset. That's the big critique of it: is that the stakeholder capitalism. It's basically all the big Fortune 500 saying, all right, we're going to just launch, relaunch under this new label and they're going to kill a bunch of people in the process to do it as new technology, information technology comes online. They can't have us rising up too fast. So anyway, well, go ahead. But that's, a, that's a similarity, a big similarity. I, think. I know. Well, that's an interesting point. Like I've, I've uh, came across this guy on Reddit talking about this. Was, he made an interesting point is that uh, in World War One there was kind of a collapse of the workers' movement because at that time, um, I guess it was the Second International, almost all of the workers' parties and unions um, supported the war. And so Bolsheviks in, in Russia and maybe some other anarchist groups or whatever were saying like, uh, what the hell is this? You know, how, how, can, how can you be uh, on the left and supporting the war? You know, um, this obviously imperialist war that we should as workers have nothing to do with um, workers should refuse to fight you know against their fellow workers from all over the place and uh, what does that sound so, like snor what does I, that sound I know like? exactly that's 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 what i'm coming to it's like a, um so so it's like the uh it, it was only the bolsheviks basically and uh, assorted anarchists all over the place um who are saying Screw the war. We can't. It's it's completely anti-worker. We've we are the real left. We've got <laughs> we've got to push through the revolution. And it, oh, it's yeah, so it's e exactly Cummings. the same. E it's, it's exactly the same thing as now. You know, it's like uh, you have all of the so-called left um, supporting COVID nineteen eighty four. You know, it's like uh, and then and then just scattered. Like it's even more scattered than it was at that time. You know, it's like. Uh, there, there are no equivalents to the Bolsheviks. N not that I'm a huge fan of the Bolsheviks, you know, but uh, um, there's not even that anymore, you know. Maybe, maybe something like that will emerge. You can I hope. hope so. And uh, I, I think we just hit on something that is extremely astute and, to me, feels highly accurate and analogous to what we're going through, which is these kind of voices in the wilderness. I was thinking E.E. E. Cummings as an example. I mean, he was kicked out of Harvard, basically. I think, I don't know if he finished or not, but basically had to leave because he said, I'm not going to support this bullshit war. Yeah. And, you know, was attacked for it. But we have these voices in the wilderness like a C.J. Hopkins. And 
you know, um, Max, what's going to happen. Max Blumenthal, all these guys. So yeah, it's exact. It's it's almost the exact same thing. Like you, there's a there's a total parallel with uh, World War One and uh, and this um, this COVID state that we're going through. So in that sense, like I I I, I agree with you that that um, there is a reorganization of capitalism fundamentally. You know, um, so if you want to say yeah. Uh, that's similar to what has happened before, like the the, the sort of um, transition between feudalism and capitalism, right? Like I'll I'll, I'll go along with you, in, in with that, you know, if that's how it's framed, you know. But the only, yeah. um, like I said, the problem that I have is is when people, um, I you know what I mean? I the the people who who say the system is socialist, you know. Um, the system that we exist under is is basically socialism, um, and it's like yeah, I know what you mean. Obviously, it's not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's obviously not. Like if we're gonna talk about, uh, um, yes, we lived under capitalism, and now capitalism is resetting itself to something else. You know, I'm fine with that, right? But if if we're saying no, it's not even capitalism. Um, it, and it hasn't been capitalism. Then no, I don't. I, I I think there's I think there's problems with that. You know, like big problems with that. Yeah, and, and similarly, I mean, if we're going to frame capitalism as state and class, and and we're going to acknowledge that 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 goes back in the Marxist model to Babylon or whenever agriculture is invented or wherever he starts that, then I'm totally on board too. We're in capitalism. And I'll use it just for purposes here. I still think it's a problem term, like uh, Orwell writes about these terms, even fascism, cap. I, whenever I, these conspiracy is another one. When I have conversations lately, I've just been saying, let's stop. Let's get, just phrase it differently. Use your own words to describe what you try to what you're trying to refer to. Because unless that's done, I find that the conversations almost can't happen. Just like mm-hmm. here, we opened up this whole detailed analysis of. I would even think about it like that the, the true resistors to capitalism, I'm going to just stick with it for, the, for, for, for here for a second, um, where the where Bolsheviks or people like the Bolsheviks or these kind of voices in the wilderness, those were the real anti-capitalists. Right, right. And um, where are our current anti-capitalists? Oh, they're know? not. And, yeah, it's hard to, like, yeah, like you said, and, it's and, few and far between. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, if, if we want to use that term for this, for, for this, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you. We're in it. It's more it's it's as strong as it's ever been. The left is a capitalist party. This, you know, the, the, the broad left and the kind of true resistors to the capitalist system. The ex, you know, and if, I'll come back to my terminology now. I just call it the system of exploitation. Um, you know, those are those are. Um, We've got I, I'm trying to align with those. And I think the sync book and this kind of artistic side of the resistance is an extremely important, important component to any resistance to a system of exploitation. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Like, I think it's um, um, you, you're sort of um, pushing me or inspiring me to sort of clarify my my point of view, which is great. Um, but I my concern is that uh, un, unless we have a an analysis of the system and a historic analysis of the system and where it came from um and again i'm not i i don't mean you i mean i mean in broader terms um but uh unless we have that then the danger comes about of just um like i was saying before in in the conversation with doug is 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 uh that old uh, Walter Benjamin quote that gets um, paraphrased by Zizek of um, for every uh, for every fascism behind every fascism there's a failed revolution and I I think that's what's happening now you know it's like um, or that's the danger of what could happen is that um, because a lot of people are rejecting the idea that the system is capitalist and they're saying that it's actually socialism and the problem is the left controlling people you know 
then uh, the danger is that um, the opposition moves, veers to the right again in in a sort of uh, fascist in, in a sort of fascist or Nazi um, aspect. Literally, not not in, in. I'm not talking hyperbole anymore about everyone's a Nazi or everyone's a fascist, but it actually goes in that direction in the same way that it happened in the 30s, where capitalism under crisis turned into fascism. You know, there's there is a direct danger of that happening again, and so people think that they're opposing the system, whereas the system already has incorporated that means of resistance right it, it it it's already almost anticipating i think it's planned for it you know yeah. it's um so that i think is the danger you know it's like uh, yeah. un, uh unless we sort of unless we are sort of firm on our terms and we realize what these terms mean from a historical perspective then it's very easy to to get caught up in that and the, and then the uh then the resistance goes in it, like we see it now in in all over the place in Europe and uh, in North America and everywhere it's like uh, the people who are resisting uh, all the anti-mandate stuff if you look on look at them on the streets it's like people from across the spectrum yeah. mostly working class mostly people Immigrants. who are really yeah people people on the the sort of lower rungs of society who are yeah. being affected the most, right? But yeah. it's getting pegged in the media as being far right. And yeah. then if you look at if you look at the umbrella groups involved, like I, I was looking at the uh, the movement in Canada against all these COVID measures. That's right, you're Canadian. And and you and you go to their you go to their website and it's like a it's like a MAGA clone. It's like make yeah. Canada great again. You know, it's like it says that right on their website, and and it's trying to coordinate all these different oppositional groups. And there's no place for anybody who um, might come from the left into this and think well, I'm against this too. If they come into this, it's like, do I want to join this MAGA group? You know, obviously not. You know, <laughs> so 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 what the system is trying to do is is channel all resistance into the right, into a, a proto-fascist direction, because yep. because that's the background of the elite, you know, that um, makes perfect sense. That's why Nazi the Nazis can sort of go both sides, you know, they can pretend to be a working class socialist party, and then on the other side, they can appease the, the corporations and, the, and the, the old aristocracy and the monarchy and the, and the papacy, you know. Um, well, they, so, they, they can do both both things at once, you know. Um, yeah. So this is I mean, this is oh, we got this is so much here. But I mean, I would argue this is what I there's so much to say. Let me just start at the end here. See, I would argue that it's not it's the same as the Nazis, but it's even more. It's the same as Western liberal democracy. That's let's just use that label, because that is the label that a lot of these parties post-World War II came under like social Democrats in Germany or the Democrats, or you get this kind of idea that the West was fighting for freedom against Hitler. And that when in fact, it, what it appears to be is that they were basically looking to see who would sort of win, which mantle would kind of the corporate power structure and the old elite families would continue on under and I think that Hitler, when you can study it and there's different conclusions, I don't know what the right answer is to this, but I think there's a case to be made that basically Hitler was a British agent. There's a book called that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's overt or I'm not saying he pledged allegiance somewhere, but he was sort of de facto working the way I would phrase it on behalf of the global cap. Let's use T.J. Tompkins term right. and global cap had it split off in Europe. It had the. Uh, Trumpist arm, we might call that Hitler, and then it had the Biden arm or the Clinton arm, and we'll call that Churchill and FDR. Yeah, exactly. And it was using both to further its goal, and 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 that's the danger of our current moment. For me, the fear isn't; it's less that you're going to have a reactionary, hard, 
Uh, and again, I don't even want to use, I'm not going to use fascism here because I'll show you, there's another point I want to make later for why I think it's so important to, it's not to deny the history, but we have to invent the language anew or we'll, or we'll just, or, or we lose a part of the necessary critique. If, and if we keep using the same terms, what we do is we get locked in to an erasure of history because those terms arise from very specific contexts that get lost. But so let me just come back to my phrase. My phrase here would be, it's not that we run the risk of as, mu as much that we're gonna turn into some kind of hard kind of German 1930s style authoritarian regime, but rather it's a, it's, that is a risk but it's just as grave of a risk that um, we will go from something like a, from Trump into the social democratic softer version of the same thing, which has the same consequences often um, in terms of the exploitation of labor, deaths, I mean, just body counts, it's the same, same people get sent to war and die, people go hungry, poor people die. Um, it just comes under a different kind of outward expression. And so what I would argue is that, yeah, I'm terrified of it too. I just think it's, there's social engineers, Bernaysian types that that are playing this, like just like a fiddle. They're playing the these uh, impulses or urges of the collective like a fiddle and they're getting people exactly where you want them. And so the only way out of that, the only way to buttress against that, one, you might not ever be able to. I'm, I, that's, I'm kind of a skeptic at this point where it's just, we're going to be kind of led into these similar repetitions. But two, if there is a way out, it is through this project, what I, which what I would call Foucauldian or postmodern, uh, deconstructive, post-structuralist, something like this. But I think it's Platonic. Let's go back to where it's Platonist. It's Platonist and the, or Gnostic in the sense that you're empowering individuals to kind of come into their own creative abilities to um, slough off regimes of truth or representations, to use the postmodern phrases, and reinvent terminologies, reinvent representations, cut them up and, uh, and reformulate them so that this life force or this greater spirit can survive against what is a basically a, an authoritarian class system. And so, um, and I would even argue, I'm kind of not even of the camps, nor to be honest, I don't even know if there was a pre-class system. I, I don't agree with that history. I'm not convinced. It's a nice idea, kind of utopian ideal that we were we were never this, but I think there's a case, case to be made that we were always this. And then now we start going into the ideas of what it's humanity, who created humans, for what purpose. And there's a whole counter narrative there that basically it's been a class system from the beginning. Well, but, yeah, but so, yeah, do you, I, do you, so go ahead. I'm going to throw this back to you now. But that's my key point here is that we have it's it's I understand your point. We, we lose history if we don't use the term these terms. But it's simultaneously a risk that by using them, we kind of give up our, our power to reformulate and reconstruct. And I think we need both. We need the historical analysis, but we also need to be, be freed from even using those labels and to re we can invent our own labels. And so that's what I try to do. Anti, like like I've been trying to do on this whole call, is have new terminologies because I think it's empowering and it's necessary. Actually, it's the only way out. But yes, sir, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, there's there's a ton of things to respond to, but but it's like, uh, um, yeah, these this whole this whole idea of like beyond left and right, you know, beyond the spectrum, um, that's that's been in the uh, so-called like alternative. Um, culture for for years now you know it's like uh, it's almost like two decades you know that i've heard that idea um and then but and and, and so i was of that mind mindset too is like i i was sort of coming from the left i would identify myself as 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 being left as coming from the left on an anarchist anti-authoritarian side of it you know but uh and then there was a point where i thought yeah, we've got to get away from this terminology altogether. And so let's go beyond the spectrum. And and so we're neither left or right, you know. But but what happened with that, you know, and this is sort of recent history, what happened with that is that uh, beyond left and right got co-opted 
fell back into these um, games of power that Foucault talks about, and and the right and and the right won, you know. So beyond left and right became right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's what's happened with alternative media, you know. It's like it, so. It's like it's it's. This is the problem. Is is. I would I'm argue with you. Didn't. I'm with I would you. Argue I wanted, didn't. No, no, but go wait. Ahead. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I want to come back in on that point, though, because I argue. I would argue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's but like a, this is the problem of trying to uh, the bigger problem of of, of trying to uh, transcend um, duality, right? And so you, you're, and me too. I, I, I want to get to that point where there is no duality. You know, it's like, um, but. Uh, to do that, there's always this final duality of of non-duality versus duality. You know, it's like, it's it's like this this loop that's hard to get out of. Um, but uh, no, but it's I I think it's pretty obvious that that's happened, and um, Alan sort of documented that um, in his video series, right? Uh, of this sort of turn in the alternative culture to the right, and and it almost to me, this appears that it was uh, it was crafted from the beginning. You know, it's like uh, you there's the obvious turn of of uh, red ice red ice radio to complete uh, I don't know white uh, white nationalism. You know, but it, it wasn't it wasn't just them. It happened across the board. You know, um, so whereas before in the uh, Early two thousands, you've had you you had this sort of uh, people looking into all these different areas like UFOs and and conspiracy and um, like veganism or, or whatever all all of the stuff associated with the alternative and then it that all seemed to get channeled into these these sort of uh, in, into a far right direction and I, and I just see this it it's continuing to happen to this moment where opposition all resistance all sort of alternative views of things have been pushed towards the right because i think it's safe for the elite to have it in that direction you know what the elite wants to avoid is what they've always feared is workers of all nations united in in in, in revolution against the system you know that's that's what will bring down the system you know it's like and I agree with you. Alongside that, we need sort of this creative and imaginative um, outburst or renaissance, you know. But it's like on a organizational level, this is what's got to happen. The only way to bring down the system is if is is the old classical way of uh, workers of the world unite. Um, well, so yeah, I mean, I think we're hitting. I think we're basically. Uh, have a lot of common ground here. Um, I just want to come back and because I had a problem with Alan. I thought Alan did a great job, and then those later videos, he kind of fell into some tropes that I don't think are quite accurate, about, and that I think are can be problematic. And I'm not criticizing him too bad. I think he did a great job with that series. But see, I don't buy. Let me come back. I, when I, earlier, I said let me stop you there because I want to say I don't. I uh, I don't think that's true, but. Basically, the main thing I want to bring this conversation back into is just where you brought it, which is what happened and uh, how did their new right, so-called, get birthed? What were the antecedents to that? Um, what could people that are kind of honest workers of the world types even or honest kind of free thinkers, you know, um, what did they need to do differently? Um, are they to blame sort of this this whole conversation? and. So I'm just going to say to start out, my advocacy is one that is actually maybe only for an elect. This is why I kind of I don't have any hope, man, because or I have great hope, but not hope that there's going to ever be change in the fundamental structure of the of the higher of the class dominant system, um, because I'm advocating for a what uh, Foucauldians, not necessarily Foucault himself, but others that wrote about his work would call constant critique. And it's an I. It this is not critique that has um, that settles on something. This is a critique where you're constantly trying to analyze um, the power dynamics of any production of truth, and that could be imagery, media, phrases, language, 
group identities, group associations in, in the mainstream discourse or in the not mainstream discourse, it's there's no endpoint to this to this way of thinking. And, and, it, and it's, it's a spiritual model. It relates to, again, going back to like Platonists, like, uh, you know, they're into meditation. They're into these kind of constant practices to basically squeegee the third eye on an ongoing basis in order to protect oneself from, um, you know, the um, negative expressions of maybe human energy or something like this, right? And so I would argue that the whole groups of people that were into red ice and that were exploring, you know, basically uh, the new media and the alt media, because it was a huge opportunity to learn and educate oneself about all anything really that those that in fact, that didn't go to the right um, for most people because this mentality that would cause someone to be open to those information sets is this mentality that's like a spiritual constant questioning model. Those that, that were easily led into, I believe, a PSYOP, yes. Um, I, I call it the identity PSYOP, the identity politics PSYOP, because this is where I was gonna critique Alan's work. He didn't go to the other side of what was resurrected in the 20, after 2012, which it wasn't just Trumpism and that right, it was the race left and the racialist left. This is what I would say. And the identity politics left, which to me is just as much of a problem for workers of the world than it is, than the right model is. And it's, and it's this classic thing that critique critics of Nazism or of, of Zionism will say. They'll say Herzl and the antecedents for Nazism come out of the same intellectual moment, the 19th century identitarianism, you know, kind of nationalism, where you want to have a state for your pure blood, the pure blood model arises from a similar core. Yeah. In that same way, you, and, I, and this is my favorite meme in the last, several years you have bankers in an office and they see uh, occupy wall street and then there's the cloud above because all you have to do is divide tell them that it's this pitchfork and then that pitchfork and then that meme with the meme that shows the chase manhattan people in rainbow flags um as, as it's like first it's occupy wall street and then it's the leftist identity politics which basically destroys the movement and yeah, we yeah, saw it yeah. in real time and no, I no, wish I, Alan had, had had talked about that. It's the same coin, but he just well, no, went no, after. I, I, so see, ahead, I agree ahead. with you. I agree with you as well. You know, there's, I was going to, um, you mentioned this before. I wanted to, to, to point that out as well. It's like, it, I, I'm not saying that um, um, this is the end point of, of the elite, you know, to, to, to move towards um, fascism or or whatever you know it's like obviously they're going back and forth you know and 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 like you said it's like the focus on identity politics from the so-called left is is as um i'd agree with you again as destructive to uh a real sort of revolutionary politics as the focus of it's it's essentially identical uh, identity politics on the right as well you know um fascism is identity politics you know and and yeah they're yeah. doing that very obviously to to split us all up you know to split us all up with with race and sex and gender and and religion and all nationality and everything else you know um but the one thing that they don't want to talk about is class, you know, it's like they, they, it, both sides don't talk about class. Um, the, uh, the, the woke left is, 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 is as guilty, um, of, of neglecting class as the alt-right is, you know, it's like, uh, um, but, and that, and that's obvious because that, um, the class is the one thing that could unite us, um, and uh unlike those other things which which divide the 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 bulk of the population the bulk of the population would be united under class you know it's like uh there there are essentially two classes that exist you know it's like this tiny minority of the very rich and powerful and then everybody else you know um 
And then, agree. yeah, your your point about uh, yeah, Marxist division of of primitive communism and then the class society and advanced communism. I I have, um, I don't I don't go along with that entirely either. I think that it it's. Um, if you if you look into history, and I think um, David Graeber just put out a, a, a David Graeber's passed yeah. on, but he just had published yeah. um, a book looking at this where, and it shows that it demonstrates that there's always been class society, but there's always been uh, resistors to it. There's always been anarchist societies as well, um, yeah. stateless and classless societies, and I I think. I think that's actually a better way to look at things because it's like uh, it's more of a, it's more of an intentional thing than you know. Yeah, he's yeah. quoted in that post uh, capitalism article because he has a book about shit jobs or like soulless jobs or useless jobs or something. I, I forgot the name of it, but he he talks about this turn with technology and how the jobs don't do anything, and then, yeah. but yet yeah, but they want your attention. And, and, and so it's a strange, he's a great character. Yeah, I was sad to see that he passed. Um, yeah, he could have been coming up with so much more. Like, he, yeah, he was, he was very involved in Occupy Wall Street. And it's like, um, and yeah, your point totally holds. With Occupy Wall Street, you, um, everybody was Ron involved. Ron Paul like people. Yeah, you you have these huge circles of people, and it's all the people who are now fighting each other in on the streets of Portland. You know, we're all in a circle yeah. together, trying to reach consensus. You know, um, libertarians and and anarchists and and socialists and liberals and whoever. You know, it's all together. Um, and yeah, there's a playbook so, for this stuff. I mean, COINTELPRO. That's the other. Th I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is all, I mean, you can look at it. Trump was just, I just think it was like prescript, man. They knew that, that what you had to do was get, and he, you saw him, they put him in the media almost for his whole life, but particularly when he had that apprentice show and they showed him as this like authority in the collective using media. And then they called him in, you know, and you had to have, whether it was him or someone like him, for the Great Reset. If we come back to this particular moment, where they're going to, where they're going to really, they're, it's hard implementation now, in like material form, of the new system. Well, they, and, they keep they keep saying like uh, China is their model, you know. Um, yeah. That's that's where they want to go with this, and it's yeah, yeah, China is extreme authoritarian capitalism, you know. Um, they front ran it there. They tested it all there for for the couple of decades before. But I have always seen Trump as a change agent. I don't believe he's outside of the system. I've always thought he no. was just he's he's within it. And I was sure. I've never. I mean, the Trumpism is so stupid to me. And this is like people that. This is why I'm like not as optimistic because some percentage of the population is incapable of what I'm describing. This state of constant critique that's empowering. Right. That you would you would you could critique the left and right and have a really a healthy critique without then being led like a pig into the pen of the Trumpism. You know, um, I think you could do that. But I, I, I think that it, uh, also a condition of having masses of people that, that maybe aren't fully capable of seeing what was happening, a condition for them being led into that pen is the the neoliberal economic destruction so i think you're exactly right on that point that mm -hmm. the, when you destroy the economy the natural uh, way to handle the rage that emerges is to have a ready to go narrative that of anger you know and blame and and so i agree that that's a huge risk um and you know whether it's, it's hard. The, uh, oh sorry ahead, I, don't, I don't mean to no please come um, in come in no go ahead i mean i'm just yeah um it's hard to know how far back to go with this, you know, it's like how, how much was planned? Um, because it, obviously the things that are coming down the line now with the uh, vaccine passports and the mandates, um, et cetera, all of this, you know, it, everything that's happened in the last couple of years, um, smartphones are absolutely essential for that. You know, it's like, uh, um, yeah. without smart, uh, without smartphone technology, none of this would have, been able to to be implemented and so so it's yeah were smartphones planned was this was this planned from before smartphones but then then if you say that it's like um well 
flip phones came before smartphones. They're essential to it. And then, and then the whole cell network, and then you could say the entire internet. And it, like, how far back do you, how far back do you go to say the, where the plan began? You know, it's like, a, um, and then I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. You know, it's like I, I don't, I don't think it can go that far back. Just because the. Uh, it, it becomes more and more like this is this is basic uh, chaos and complexity theory. The the the, the f when you have a complex systems, the the further you project out into the future, the the less predictive capability you have. You know, um, and that's that's pretty obvious. You can see that on the uh, like that's that's why you can't um, you usually cannot plan uh, more than like three or four moves ahead in chess, you know, it's like something, if things become, as, as things become complex, it's like uh, your, your ability to predict things, it's, it decreases. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I don't, I don't think it goes far back, you know, it's like, uh, or, or else we're looking at godlike power, but even, even that, you know, it's like uh, if you have godlike power, then you have counter godlike power. You know, it's um, you have uh, if you have an AI, you have a counter AI. You know, the, all of these systems are sort of uh, stopped or or checked by by uh, equivalent systems. <laughs>